Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing, so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Your brain is recording everything you ever say, you ever hear, you ever see, right? So we need to change our speech and say that you're, we're growing in our creativity. We say that we're not creative because we think it's only artistic, but it's seeping into other areas of science, of writing, business sales. It's all connected. It's a growth mindset we want to have. Mm. You may not be a Monet, but you can experiment. Just really make art. I'm also looking into the neural aesthetics of what's going on in the brain when you're analyzing art, when you're producing art and music. There's a part of the brain called the corpus callosum. It's the bridge between the two hemispheres. People who engage just listening to music, but especially playing music, Mm -hmm. that area gets stronger. When your brain is doing music and doing these artistic adventures, you're strengthening these communication ways. If you're human, you're creative. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. I'm really excited to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest today, Janine Letford. She's the founder and chief creative officer of Cafe Strategies, which trains C-suite executives and employees to create sustainable organisational equity and inclusion strategies while unleashing their innovative thinking for themselves and in their business. Janine's Seven Gems of Intercultural Creativity is a leading framework that encourages corporations in their diversity and inclusion development while developing critical cognitive skills for creative thinking. Janine believes creative thinking thrives best in an inclusive environment, and she's often called America's creative coach for her work in reigniting intercultural creativity within our workforces. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, the InnovaBuzz podcast, then go to innovabiz.co forward slash flywheel, where you can access a free gift that my team and I made for you a short audio book that walks you through every single step of the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. In our conversation today, Janine talked to me about how we are all creative and should keep reminding ourselves of that. We talked about how we can connect to the creative arts to enhance our intercultural creativity. And we talked about always being curious. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Janine Letford. Hi, I'm your host Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast all the way from Phoenix, Arizona in the USA, Janine Letford, who's the Chief Executive Officer at Cafe Strategies, a business that equips organizations with strategies of intercultural creativity. Janine's also host of the Create and Grow podcast. Now, welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Janine. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. I'm excited to be here. 
Kate Donovan, who was our guest on episode 512 of the Innova Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you, Janine. So a big hello to Kate. Yes, yes. I'm just excited to be here, excited to be talking to you on this wonderful day and just really ready to jump into the, the content. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about all things. Well, I know creativity is big on your um, your area of expertise and interest, and also you do a lot of work in the um, area of training intercultural competence, which I think is is a really interesting concept that you've kind of developed and pulled together from areas of um, of other people's work, but pulled together in a very unique way. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to exploring that some more. Now, tell us, what's the impact you're making in the world today, Janine? Sure. In the words of Abraham Lincoln, when he was doing the Emancipation Proclamation, he said, if I'm going to be known for anything, it's going to be for this and my whole soul is in it. And I feel the same way about intercultural creativity. If I'm going to be known for anything, it's going to be this work. And it's an interesting work that has met its time, an idea that has met its time, looking at the neuroscience to the psychology, to the education, everything mixing together on how we can fully show up creatively with one another and what's going behind this on behind the scenes, what's going on in front of the scenes, and just really what do we know, know to get what do we need to know to get ready for this future of work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love how you've brought together a bunch of concepts there that usually people kind of look at in isolation, if I could put it that way. So creativity is a very big, uh, very big topic and people talk about it in in various forms and I'm, I'm looking forward to exploring that one specifically but then the the idea of people working together to be creative together and to work across different cultures and I think there's you know that that certainly is something today more than ever where we have accessibility to people like we're talking to one another across the um, world <laughs> like in different hemispheres and in different different time zone well different on different days actually and and in that time and age to take that opportunity to talk with people from all around the world that have different backgrounds and different experiences and actually learn from that and be stronger as a community from that i think is really powerful now how did you kind of come to this journey of this is what i want to do this is what i'm here to do Sure. I have my background in elementary ed. So I taught kindergarten through fifth grade for 15 years. But during that, I started a nonprofit for the graduates of my elementary school. And so I did ran a nonprofit for sixth grade through 12. And then I also taught at the local university for pe uh, teachers getting their master's degree in integrative arts and creative arts. And I also sat on, on the board of a national nonprofit called DonorsChoose.org with a powerful board of people running multi-million dollar companies. So all of this happened basically in the same week. I would be working with a four-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 24-year-old, and a 64-year-old, all in the same week, different educational levels. And so that put me at an interesting perspective to really say, okay, well, what are the really key skills, right? That these, these attributes that people have that really help increase their level of success, and especially their level of success in a VUCA environment. That's a term, V-U-C-A. It's mm. a military term used by the business world now. Um, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, which is definitely what we yeah. experienced within the past two years. And so, like, who's really coming out on top and really still not just surviving, but thriving? And so I was doing work in creativity when I left the classroom in 2019. But then I, I realized that we are creative together. Like you are affecting my brain's body budget, my metabolical budget right now as you're talking to me, um, smiling at me and, you know, um, and people can do it in negative ways, too. If you're, you know, doing negative th uh, threats or just, you know, we have control, not control. We have influence over other pe people's emotional Information, right? Mm. And so that told me that I could go into corporations and do tons of creative, creative thinking training and thinking out of the box innovation. But if the culture is toxic, 
is not allowing curiosity to flourish, if people can't speak up, if the status quo can't ever be challenged, it doesn't matter how much training that I do, mm. there, there's no creativity going on, on in, in that, in that sphere. And so that's really the birth. Um, I call it, it's, I call it a, like a divine birth, but that's the, the, the birth of intercultural creativity. Talking about first redefining creativity. It's not just the arts. You know, mm. a lot of people think it's just the arts. The arts are a big part of it and the arts can, grow you in non-arts area, but it's about producing value, uh, novelty, and just new ideas. And it's very much aligned with us being creative together. And so that was the birth of intercultural creativity. Mm, fantastic. And and I'm curious about the neuroscience aspect of that. But before we get onto that, you said something there that I think is really important to emphasize and that's the idea that creativity goes beyond just the arts. I know I've been guilty of this in the past. In fact, I do it consciously sometimes. Uh, we have an exercise where I get clients to draw things and, and often people say, well, I can't really draw. And so I show them the drawing that I do for that particular exercise and I say, now I'm, I'm the world's worst drawer of stick figures. And, and I have been known to say uh, there's not a creative bone in my body related to drawing. Um, and I've, I've tempered that language because I realise that I'm telling myself that as well as the other person. So I, I'd sort of say I'm the world's worst drawer of stick figures, which is okay uh, because I do have creative bones in my body. I love to do photography and I think some of my photography is very creative. I also come up with lots of ideas outside of that, which is very creative. So... So just talk to me a little bit more about that idea of creativity goes beyond just the arts, drawing or music or um, sculpting, sculpting or... Sure. It's all connected, right? Everything mm. is connected to everything, says Leonardo da Vinci. And if you look at great creative minds like Leonardo da Vinci and also some work that was done by Adam Grant. He's an organizational mm. psychologist in, in the States and really big uh, on LinkedIn and Twitter. But um, he, he's talked about a study in his book, Originals, How Nonconformists Move the World. And he talked about all of the Nobel Prize winners in science from 1901 to about uh, 2000 and, and so, to 2005. And a majority of them had an arts background. Mm. So that's something to consider. And so while I say I'm, I'm really adamant, creativity is not only the art. So people are saying, oh, I'm not creative. I can't draw. I can't sing. I can't dance. Mm. Number one, you're saying these things out loud. So yeah, your, yeah. your brain and yes, I do ha have a brain <laughs> on my desk because I'm all about manipulatives, but your brain is recording everything you ever say, you ever hear, you ever see, right? Your sub subconscious. And then, um, so we need to change our speech and say that you're, we're growing in our creativity, anything you were artistically creative when you were two, like no one told, told you, you know? And so because of culture, because of comparison restriction or whatever happened in people's form formative years now a lot of them are carrying this into their adulthood and we say that we're not creative because we think it's only artistic but it's it's seeping into other areas of science of uh, you know just writing business sales and so it's all connected and we have to understand that it's a growth mindset we want to have mm. and so you may not be a monet or whatever but you can experiment you can uh, just really make art. And so I'm also looking into the, the neural aesthetics of what's going on in the brain when you're analyzing art, when you're producing art and music. And so there's a part of the brain called the, the, uh, the corpus callosum. It's the middle part. It's kind of like the bridge between the two hemispheres. And they talk about how people who engage just listening to music, but especially playing music, mm -hmm. that area improves. It gets stronger. And so it's kind of like um, the interchange on, on a freeway system. I, I'm not sure what your your freeways look like down there, but in Los Angeles, there's some heavy <laughs> traffic going yeah. on, right? And so imagine 
a one road going each way on an interchange in Los Angeles on the 405 and the 101. That would be crazy. We have like, you know, five lanes each. But that's basically your brain. When your brain is doing music and doing these artistic adventures, you're strengthening these these communication ways, mm. basically. And so it's really important to understand that creativity isn't solely the arts. It goes into every field. And if you're human, you're creative. Even if you're an animal, you know, yeah. there's several animals who show us creativity as well. <laughs> well I've got a story about but, that yesterday that I observed with that. <laughs> Go on. But um, but the arts, arts training helps you in non-arts areas. So people who have arts training mm. are more observant to see ideas, connections, right? Creativity sits on cognitive skills such as divergent thinking, metaphorical thinking, uh, unusual associations, combinatory thinking. And people who are able to do these processes, they're already embedded within the arts education. You have to think metaphorically, yeah. right? If you're doing a dance about, I don't know, I just did one on LinkedIn about freedom where I got found music and got def- several dancers together. Yeah, yeah. And I said, well, I what does freedom, freedom cool. mean to you? Yeah. yeah. And so that's really what we're trying to do. Allow everyone to call themselves a creative, hmm. not only the small creative team in your organization, which speaks to the rest of the organization that you're not creative, which is not true. But everyone should have the ability to call themselves a creative. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. And and also on that theme of music, there's so many, like as you said, Nobel, Peace Pri- Nobel Prize winners that came from an arts background, but there's so many scientists like Einstein was a very gifted violinist um, that I recall. And then you mentioned Leonardo da Vinci. I mean, there's, there's a really good book by um, Michael Gelb is the author. Um, it And it comes with um, a music CD and it looks at, I think it's called How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, but it looks at the values and philosophies that he espoused and it looks at it from the artistic perspective and and it brings music in and it's a really fascinating book that kind of ties in together all these concepts that that you're talking about yes i uh, actually went to the museum where they were showing his exhibit and i took my son and it's really, I think, where we have to get back to is definitely as far as um, K-12, you know, what mm. does it look like to have an education curriculum that thinks like Leonardo, that's high in curiosity, that allows these unusual associations happen authentically, that isn't so so rigid as far as, you know, here's the standard, you learn this, this, and this, as opposed to allowing some freedom of thought within their experience. And so... There's a lot, a lot of work to be done for this new future work because AI, AI wasn't where it was now no. tw- 40 years, years ago. You know, um, we could get by with some of the stuff we're doing now, but no longer can we, we get by. Our next generation, they're going to be living by a new set of standards, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and also, I, I'm very strong on this idea that, you know, we have this technology. I mean, there's a technological revolution still happening. I think we're still in the early days of that, but what's happened in the last 50 years, for example, in technology, I think people are starting to be lazy in thought, um, be lazy in connecting with other people at a human level um, and abdicating to the technology to do stuff. And so I'm all about like making marketing and, and podcasting as part of that human again. So I think this idea of the creativity and and connecting together at a human level with other people to be creative as a collective is is a great concept. So you um you actually trademarked the term intercultural creativity. Yeah, I'm surprised it was it was available. Yeah. <laughs> but people have used the word creativity and then cultural competence is, mm. is a concept and that's that's the combination of them both. But I looked and looked, and then I went to the U.S. Patent Office, and they they looked and looked, and <laughs> no one was using it. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. So I'm interested to hear what you do with that. Um, yeah, so the the I'm not creative fallacy. I think we've hopefully debunked that 
a little bit. So what are some of the things that we can all do within organisations, within our community to foster that intercultural creativity, that, that whole idea of bringing those communications, those conversations to bear that, that generate new ideas without judgment and in a way that um, when somebody comes up with this wild idea that we actually foster curiosity and look to enhance that idea? Well, the huge, I think, shift, at least where my work is going, looking at almost something I might even coin uh, intercultural neural creativity <laughs> is we can actually see a lot of what's going on in the brain now in the past even five years that we couldn't see 10 15 20 years ago uh, the MRI actually just came on the scene in the 2000s mm. you know late 1990s so it's really not that old I mean I was in college at UCLA in an MRI is doing tests with my professors and they were like it was a brand new thing right um, so now that we have this backing of the neuroscience and what it's saying, hopefully people will take it more seriously. And I believe that once we do, once we understand the importance of having your brain at rest, when your brain is quote unquote resting, it's not resting. There's work going on. And if you look at uh, on my podcast, episode 66, Dr. Michael Platt, he has the wonderful book called uh, the, the Leader's Brain. Mm -hmm. And there is a section talking about the networks, right? The brain is a series of networks and very com complex. But when you're on your task network, like your, like your focus task network, like you're doing bills or doing spreadsheets, your innovation network, also called your default mode network, is quiet. But when you're just kind of daydreaming or when you're in the shower or have yeah. you been driving, you're not really... You know you're driving, yeah. but you're not really paying attention to like, hey, let, let me break now and let me gas. You know, um, your mind is kind of wandering. That's when your innovation default mode network is on. And that's where these sub ideas can kind of get into your, your conscious. And also just understanding the different brain states that we're in when we're awake, when we're sleeping, mm -hmm. when we're kind of coming out of sleep. You know, some of your craziest ideas come to you right when you're waking up, yeah. right? Well, there's a reason for, for, for that. And so now that the neuroscience world isn't so separated from the masses, from, you know, the common man and woman and child, and people like me are, you know, because because I work with children, I have to be able to communicate complex ideas in a simple way. And so we are now finding out what can we actually do. And so one of the things we can do is allow our brain to wander, mm. to use our imagination, take that word seriously. It's not just for three-year-olds, it's for everyone. Everything that you see around you came from someone and someone's imagination, mm. right? And so for us to really look at, well, what's imagination training? You go to sales training, right? <laughs> but have you ever been to imagination training or curiosity training? We look and say it's cute for a three-year-old to be curious, but when a team member's curious, you know, we, they get in trouble because it's not a part of their job dis description, yeah. right? And so it's things like that that organizations say we're creative, but then we shut it down mm. on the back end. And we're um, Dr. Allison Hoismeister out of uh, USC. She's on my podcast, episode 74. And she talks about the curiosity conundrum that the C-suite, the curiosity level of the C-suite is direct in, a, in a direct alignment of the level of surviving and thriving for the future of their organization. So if the curiosity levels of the C-suite is down, you're looking at Blockbuster, Kodak, and Radio Shack type of out output, right? Yep, yep. Um, but, but if the curiosity level of the C-suite is up, not only are they accessing the resources in front of them and exploiting them correctly, they're also looking ahead around the corner. Mm. And we need more people who know how to look ahead around the corner. The last thing is creative ideas can come from anywhere. And so this whole hierarchy of no one can get to the CEO and if you're an onboarded new employee or working in the front lines or the administration or janitorial staff, you know, Good luck getting your ideas anywhere. Yeah. Your best ideas are hidden in the warehouse. Mm. Yeah, I remember. A, and so we need to get those up. Mm. Mm -hmm. I remember a story, and I'm just trying to recall. I can't. I can't recall the company now um, about some major innovation 
that was a huge commercial success that originated from a simple question that a cleaning lady had posed somewhere and and the organization was set up in such a way that her voice was actually heard. I don't know whether they had a suggestion box or something. And I remember that that was talked about as as a prime example of a curious organization. And and I thought, oh, we talk about, and I was in the corporate world at the time, and I'd lived through lots of experiences. I mean, I worked for ACFA when, <laughs> when they went under, or, well, I left just before I left the sinking ship. <laughs> but um, uh, I was a young graduate then and I could see that the C-suite there was not very curious about this new invention. They said we just need to make better film. The yeah, but that in my corporate world there was a lot of conversation around this idea that, you know, this is a great model where even the cleaning staff that simply come in to keep things clean um, can have a voice, can are able to express some ideas that that end up could end up uh, being a huge commercial success. And I thought, well, yeah, but we're not living that here. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I actually share a few stories. I'm um, creating a course, hope that hopefully will be on LinkedIn, and it's about someone, um, the Al- alcohol aluminum company, you know, yeah. um, in the late '80s. And all, all the way to the 2000s, but how one of their best ideas came from one of the workers who had it for a while. But until the new CEO came in and said to the whole company, our number one priority is is worker safety. Hmm. And so once he said that and he gave them, you know, his phone number and he he made sure he made contact with them, then they saw the amount of trust. So trust is very much correlated with with creativity and innovation because now people trust that they can speak up and they won't get ostracized or reprimanded for speaking up new ideas that might go against the way that things have always been done right mm. and uh, yeah turn you know the whole company around and billion dollars of new um revenue because an idea finally got out and it wasn't brand new he's been holding on to this idea yeah. for who knows long but he did he he didn't have trust there was no trust in the organization so he kept it to to himself mm. and i wonder how many organizations that's happening right right now too mm. yeah when you think of, think of the possibilities there it is quite exciting isn't it because uh, i'm sure mm-hmm. i agree with you i'm sure there's a lot of ideas there that are that are not getting out because of a lack of trust and it because it starts with the idea of why do we do things that way couldn't we couldn't we do it this way right mm-hmm. hmm. yes yes and that's where the intercultural comes part part because i do a lot of training uh like dei training like unconscious bias training and when you hear of unconscious bias you automatically think towards you know gender race right um a lot of diversity and equity and inclusion and belonging topics and mm. demographics that we more normally focus on but i also say this is affecting not only the people and their ability to rise, which affects the create the creative output of the organization, right? But it also affects our ability to look at one another and see each other as creative beings. And so if I'm unconsciously biased against you or discriminative against you, even whether I know it or not, right? Mm. The way I see you is affected by my cultural lens or or this this unconscious implicit bias. And so I'm not going to add, talk, you know, um, talk to you during meetings or try to elicit um, more ideas or make sure you have have the floor or you have opportunities to have stretch assignments. I'm my my actions are are, you know, curtailed by this unconscious bias without me even knowing it or maybe I I, I do know it. And so we have to understand of there's millions of stories of people's creative potential just you know cut in half and and just shot down because of the the cultural part Hmm. and so intercultural creativity allows us to work on things that could be cutting down our creativity the way we see ourselves and the way we see other people and also um looking at just the way we observe you know you and i we are from different demographics we observe the world Mm. differently we're in different parts of the the world you know um so there's things that you would catch that i would miss just because i haven't had those experiences and vice versa yeah so 
if if we you know like today if we come together and we share each other's stories now i get a glimpse of of your world and you get a glimpse of mine and as dr michael platt and dr lisa fieldman barrett talk about our brains are literally changing structure when we share each other's stories and perspective shift with one another and that's the fascinating part that even though we're not three-year-olds you're right with a growing (laughs) brain our brains are still plastic and until the day we leave this earth they're still able to shift structure if we do the work Mm, yeah and look um thinking about the neuroscience we're, we're constantly i mean particularly if we're curious and looking to learn new things we're constantly building new neural connections inside the brain right so your your metaphor from before about the superhighway um, strengthening that that superhighway to allow more traffic to flow yes yes and one one other point i want to make sure is we understand is being creative and taking a risk to do something new your brain is a predicting machine it loves to predict and that's why it loves routine it loves to stay around people where i know what they're going to do i know what they're going to say i know these people they're they're my my tribe right Mm. because i can predict so to go outside of that to people who you don't know what they're going to do they're part of a different demographic or different lived experience or you're going to do something creative where you don't know the outcome it, it is a small risk you probably calculate a risk but still you don't know the exact outcome that is a higher metabolic fee for the brain right it, it you know the brain runs on en- energy and, mm. and, and, and everything is and so your brain has a certain amount of, of energy that's why sleep is so important and so if you're already taxed if you're not sleeping well if you're not eating if you're in toxic relationships which are just which can take and strip you from mm. from your energy as well if you're having all these negative things go on you have no more energy to be creative you have no more energy to go outside of your 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 tribe yeah. and go meet people from different lived experiences. And so that's why I love this work because it's all connected. Mm. And that's why I love bringing the brain into the middle part of it. Because if you know your brain, you know your life. Yeah. And so you're able to, and this is for org- organizations, when you look at your wellness plan, when you look at your DEIB plan, your diversity plan, it's directly correlated with your innovation and creativity plan. They are not separate. Yes. Everything everything works together. And one of the big things also for the brain, I think, that, that we often overlook, you didn't mention it there, is hydration. So keeping hydrated because the um, those neural networks that are constantly forming and reforming and strengthening, um, that requires a lot of liquid, a lot of water. Yes, yes. Water, very important. Thank, thank you for bringing that <laughs> yeah. up. And the it should be the first thing you uh, drink and the last thing you drink um, just to book in your, your day. Good day, yeah. Yeah, love it. All right. Um, now, there was one other thing there that I wanted to explore further, but I've... Oh, that's right. The, the idea of daydreaming. You mentioned earlier um, how important it was to kind of let the brain be at rest. And I had a conversation quite a while back now with um, Dr. Fiona Kerr, a neuroscientist on the Innova Buzz podcast. I don't recall the episode off the top of my head, but she pointed out that this idea of daydreaming where, and kids do this, they kind of suddenly, they just look up and they, and you think, you know, where are you? <laughs> You've gone. You're not here with me. And she said, you know, we, we need to give ourselves the freedom to actually do that. Usually when we're alone, obviously, because we don't want to interfere with the relationships or conversations we're having with others. But that having the freedom to give yourself permission to daydream is is where a lot of those ideas come from, because then things bubble up from the unconscious. Yes, yes. And and because of the, the MRI and the technology we have now they can actually spot in your brain where this is occurring it's really fascinating and what happens in the split second before and so you know and i've read conflicting research daydreaming is really good and then someone's like daydreaming isn't good <laughs> you know like be in the moment and so you know i'm going through it but then i take in my personal experience and now even with my son you know if he is looking out the window i i used to say sean you know sean come 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 back to me but i don't do that anymore because he's with his thoughts mm. he's 
he's having fun with himself and and you're right you know as long as we're not in a conversation and then mm. he just stops and starts daydreaming you know um there there's a few so, so social cues you want to be mindful of but i you know i i'm uh, not not jewish by by um by by faith or by blood or anything but um they they have this thing called the sabbath where they take time mm. um on on a day and i my family started to do that as, as well. Just really Friday night, we kind of no work. And Saturday, no work till Saturday night. And it's just time to just spend time with family and just sit. Sit in na- nature and just breathe. And yeah, be in the moment. Feel mm. the wind on my skin. Feel the, the sun um, and what, whatever that we're, we're choosing to do. And then I do read and write and reflect. And But the thing is, no, no work, for, mm. for me at least. And I think there's a reason why that has been implemented into their faith because of they may have known what it does mm. for your inner creativity. We're, we're producing creativity outwardly, they say, for those six days. But that seventh day, they just want to rest and just have some inner creativity going on. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think there's um, a lot of practices that come out of the different faiths that are worth exploring in that light too because um, it's like we lose track sometimes because it becomes a dogma in the faith this is what you do and so people don't question it well why is that Um, so part of what we talked about earlier that curiosity of why is that and challenging the norm part of that is say well I'm not challenging that that is the wrong thing to do, but I'm curious why why do we do that? Because it's kind of become routine and we don't understand why we're doing it. So therefore, we don't appreciate what it's actually giving us. And we have to, you know, the pandemic has is still going on, basically, mm. more, more or less. And at, at the taping of, of this recording, but we have to look at some of the gems that we kind of have to pull from from it, despite all of the heart, heart heartbreak and um, and loss. And I believe it woke a lot of people up. It showed us a lot of things that were hidden. And exactly what you said, it caused me to ask questions of, wait, why are we doing like, what am I rushing to? Hmm. What am I rushing to? Why am I always rushing? Even with my son, I'm like rushing. I'm like, Janine, stop. Why are you rushing? You know, and you know, um, thankfully in, in our family, we, we didn't have any uh, uh, human loss, but, you know, job, you know, a few job mm-hmm. loss and just, you know, opportunity loss, of course, trap, trap, travel loss. But it really opened my eyes to start questioning why I'm doing things and to make sure I am doing things because it brings me joy and mm-hmm. it's a part of my purpose as opposed to just, yeah, the busyness. And so if I, I hope it isn't just for me, but for a lot of people that really opened our eyes to reevaluate our our choices of time, because in the end, all you have is time, yeah, right? Once right. the time is most up, precious, time is up. Yeah, that's the most precious resource. Mm-hmm. 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 So so and, and, and with that, just and this is I, I believe this is why intercultural creativity is an idea that has met his time. Had I brought this out to the world five years ago or 10 years ago, I don't think it would have hit the way that it's hitting now. Um, it came to me, you're going to love this. It came to me, um, the word came to me at the end of 2020, November 28, 2020. And then I wrote the book and the book came to me at my doorstep, November 28th, no, um, 2021, the same day. Because wow. <laughs> I, I record everything. Yeah. This, to the day, um, the idea came to me, and then I uh, got the actual book in 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 my my hand. That a year later, and so it's uh, meant to get out there now. Mm. Mm. Definitely, time has come. That's a, yeah, that's an interesting coincidence, and um, you can argue maybe that there's no such thing as a coincidence. <laughs> I I personally believe no, but yeah. yes, everyone can think what what they think, but um. Just things for me, things line up the way they're supposed to line up when they line line, line up. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a, a good attitude to have because it it does give you permission to be curious about yourself. And you were talking earlier about all the differences that we have. You know, you and I are different gender, different race, different nationality, different backgrounds, different ages, different whole lot of differences and yet there's so many similarities and I like to I don't 
necessarily look at the differences first and say, okay, here's our differences. Uh, I do see the differences and say, wow, here's an opportunity to learn from somebody who's got a completely different perspective. And, and so mm-hmm. often I, I'm curious about myself and my reactions first and say, so why am I reacting like that? And what are the opportunities in that? And that, to me, is, I think, a really powerful, it's certainly a powerful tool for me to kind of start off being, being curious about my own thoughts and then t- taking that curiosity and say, well, what are the opportunities in this conversation, for example? That's, that's kind of how I approach the podcast conversations. And I, I, I love it. And it shows me your level of self-awareness. People are saying the word empathy now. You know, you're hearing mm. that word out, out there, right? Empathy and psychological safe safety. That, that's a new word on the scene in the past, what, three to five years or so. But people have to understand that empathy sits on your ability to be self-aware. Mm. That if you're not self-aware uh, and emotionally aware of your own experience and able to have emotional granularity, that is your ability to label your emotions and to understand your set of actions after you have identified that emotion. That's coming from the work of Dr. Lisa Fieldman Barrett, that if your emotional awareness and self-awareness is low, it's very difficult to be able to, um, to, to, you know, interpret and, and sift through the emotions of others. And so a lot of my work and my training, my corporate training and coaching, we look at self-awareness. And this is where the arts come in. This is big Hmm. because most cues come from non, most information for emotional intelligence comes from non-verbal cues. Hmm. And so you can say, you know, thanks, three different ways. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) thanks. Things right. Yeah. I, I said it three different ways, and you got three different emotions from it. Correct. That's right. Yeah. Right. And you didn't and, even use the sarcastic so, version. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Totally. That's like the normal one, right? Um, and and what training in music does? It makes you sensitive to pitch. Mm. Speaking is pitch, tone, intonation. And the if you watch, there's a wonderful TEDx education video. It's called uh, "What Music Music and the Brain." I highly recommend it. It's like three minutes long. I even mm. show it to my kindergartners. It, it's very fun to watch. It's from uh, the TEDx educational part of their platform, and it sh- it shows you the different elements of music: the rhythm, mm. the pitch, the emotional content, yeah. the the form, and how your brain separates them, figures everything out, and puts it all together. Mm. That's what's going on in your brain. And so people who have trained themselves in that from five years old or 10 or or 15, even if you start now, even if you start now, your brain's like, okay, all right, let's figure this out. And so when I come to you and say, thanks, you know, I'm supposed to, thanks, you know, your your brain is hearing the emotional Mm -hmm. tones. And because you've had all this background training in music and in dance or whatever, you, you're you're ten steps ahead of someone who has who has no training. Mm. Yeah, that that's a really good point. And I know um, my children were very gifted musicians. Oh, well, still are. Um, and in all the training they had early on, it was uh, I learned so much about how music influences that, and and the pitch and the the cadence and the emotional expression behind that the way how you know one little piece of music can be so expressive in different ways the same piece of music can be played in so many different ways and express so many different things and now I I can listen to some music and obviously there's there's a connection or a historical connection with some event where my kids played or something and I can get really emotional depending on how the music is played. And I can listen to the same piece by another musician expressed in a different way and it kind of just, oh, yeah, there's that piece of music again. It's kind of like, hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, and if you see the video that, that I did share on my LinkedIn about uh, freedom with uh, yeah. Sheku, Kenna Mason, and yeah, his with family, that family playing. Yeah, yeah they're amazing. Mm. Out of London, and he, he played at Prince Harry's wed- wed- wedding. And yeah, just... 
their their interpretation mm. of that song of freedom it just i've, I've cried a few times <laughs> and i was crying while i was editing the video i'm like what is, what is going on with me but i got to see it in movement mm. where the dancers heard the song and then they expressed it and i got to see it in painting mm. where the painter heard the song and then she expressed it so really that's the uh, that's the crux of my work allowing people to be creative in all fields mm. but also saying you know what we got to bring the arts even back into adults like the arts aren't just for k k5 mm. you know um it's for us all if you're a human you have the right to express yourself visually in movement in music in sound and in words mm. love it all right. Well, this is fabulous, Janine. I could go on talking for hours on this topic and maybe we need to have a, a repeat performance uh, so we can do that. But I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. It's the same five questions I ask of every guest. And the idea is that you'll leave our listener inspired to go and take some action as a result of what they hear today. <laughs> you ready? I always. I was born ready. <laughs> <laughs> you were born ready. That's great. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? They need to first believe that they are innovative and then conceive. Just do it. Just even if it starts small, hmm. just do it. Baby steps. Yeah. Yeah. I, it reminds me of, um, I talked about my children's music, the um, piano teacher that they had who was uh, just brilliant. Um, I asked her once, how can these six, seven, eight-year-old kids remember this 40-minute piece of music? Not just the notes, but all the expression, where the entries are with the orchestra, because it's a, a piano concerto. And she said, it's very simple. It's like eating pizza one little bit at a time. I agree. And the muscle memory and the music memory, it's a powerful thing that the brain that's why you can remember a song from 20 years ago <laughs> because right, yeah. of the power hmm. of music memory excellent what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas i travel and sometimes you get a dart and you throw it at the <laughs> map and you go yeah. so it's it's living it's living like that for me that has helped me hmm. open up my mind map Excellent. Well, what have you done over the last two years with these, uh, with the pandemic and travel restrictions? You'd be surprised. Uh, I have a four-year-old, so he was two when uh, the pandemic hit, and I was suddenly lost daycare. And so I had a two-year-old retrain me to learn how to observe. Uh, right. So that's what I did. Yeah. And and I saw my grounds that I lived on in a whole new way. Mm. So even though I couldn't get in a plane and travel to eat Egypt or wherever, I, I got in my tennis shoes and retraveled my land cool. in a yeah. whole new way with a two-year-old. Mm. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that, that just shows you know, there's opportunities to be curious in, in a different way, even if you can't get out and about in the world. Mm -hmm. What's a favorite resource you use most often? Re resource? Yeah. My favorite resource that I use. I love to use props, so I speak <laughs> metaphorically diamond, yeah. <laughs> through my, my props. So I guess this is uh, my elementary school training, <laughs> right? Uh, but part of my work is, you know, adults are adults, but they like to laugh mm. too. They like to have fun too and play. And so why does this relegate it just to the elementary school classroom? Why can't I bring this into Chevron? Mm and to you know the big corporations and get people thinking in a whole new way with their hands right mm. that that translation of ideas and the rendering into physical form of the ideas that's a resource that i, I use and yeah. plato plato's plato, a great resource yeah. <laughs> yeah brilliant and and there's a reason why i guess that's that's it's kind of a standard for um teaching young kids and that's because it reinforces like the words you say and and maybe you show some pictures but having those props actually reinforces that so that works for young kids why wouldn't it work for adults and i think it needs to be working more for adults because we have more cultural biases and limitations placed on us hmm. because of functional uh fix, fix fixedness we won't go beyond the original function of an item yeah. where a kid will they'll turn a cardboard box into an airplane or a spaceship right, or yeah. a ship right um so hmm. yes excellent all right now what's the best way to keep a client on track 
purpose. The brain is geared for story. The brain loves narrative. The brain loves story. The brain loves purpose. And so if people are only seeing their job description and not seeing the purpose of their organization or their project or the people they're serving, whatever level that you choose to to align it with, then that that can get distracting. But I find out it's really easy to get back on track when you have that bigger narrative Hmm. in place. Yeah, it's a a sort of start with why philosophy, isn't it? I'm getting really clear about that. All right, and what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate yourself? When my students write their essays for scholarships, I ask them, you know, is this an essay that anybody can put their name on? Yeah. You know, and, you know, a lot of my students, you know, they're from lower lower in income uh, homes, or a lot of them are first generation college students, or a lot of them have um, some struggles. But a lot of these things, other kids have too. And so what I do is I sit down with them or I sit down with um, some of my coaching clients and I try to find that diamond Hmm. that only pertains to them. Like I have one student where she was playing volleyball on her high school team and she got a concussion, a slight concussion, but she was okay the next day. But, you know, but watching that and she had to sit out the rest of the season, I'm like, well, not too many people can put their name on that essay if you decide to write on that. Like, not you're right. Um, But if you just give me the normal, you know, the normal three things that mostly everyone at your school has, then you're not really differentiating yourself. And so I want people to look at their struggles in a new way, perspective Mm -hmm. shift around their struggles, things that you didn't think was deemed worthy to share. So I stuttered growing up and I still stutter today. I have a speech impediment. I had speech therapy for years in elementary school. I never shared that growing up until until I was about like maybe 35, 36 did I really start talking about it, even though you could hear it, you know, even though it was always there. But I was so ashamed of it. And then I perspective shifted around it. And now I share it as a part of my story when I'm doing keynotes in front of, you know, thousands of people. I share that, oh, by the way, I stutter, mm. but here I am, you know, <laughs> speaking on global platforms. But that speaks to their heart. Mm. Like, well, if she can do that, then, then I, I can do things too, despite these struggles that I'm having. And so I, I want people to look at their struggles in a whole new light mm. and then be vulnerable and share them because they could be the gateway for someone else to come into their freedom. That's a really powerful perspective shift and it gives, it does give other people permission, doesn't it? Because most of us have self-doubts and they may be related to something we do like stuttering, they may be related to other things. Um, even the most influential and powerful people in the world have self-doubts. Um, you know, you, we might look at them from the outside and say, They've got no reason to have self-doubts, but they do have. And so to embrace those things and share them, it does give other people permission to kind of do more and ignore yes, those yes, self-doubts or, or share share them with others and get that connection going. Mm. Yeah, yes. Wonderful. Well. Thanks, Janine. This has been really great. Now, where can people find out more about the work you're doing, your podcast, your video channel, your books, and maybe even get in touch and say thanks for what you shared today? Sure. Well, I am all about connecting with people, right? We are better together and more creative together. So I can be found on either JaneneLetford.com, G-E-N-E-I-N, Letford.com. And my business website is Cafe Strategies, C-A-F-F-E, Strategies.com. And that's where you can find the books. Um, I have the seven gems of intercultural creativity where we go through the seven gems deeply. And I talk about creatively and culturally, how do they affect our ability to be creative together? And then my son and I wrote a book called I Am Creative. And he was three when he wrote this. So now he can always be an, an author, yeah. right? And we, he just goes through his day of being creative. And then I tell the parents, teachers and caregivers at the back kind of what's going on and what to look out for and how not to accidentally squash their creativity. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very active on social media, mostly on LinkedIn, but I am on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And I just want to get this word out so people can live their best interculturally creatively designed life in focus beautiful and we'll include all those links in the show notes and i think it's really cool that you co-authored that book with with your son 
Yes, and he's working on his next book. He is obsessed about sprinklers. So if there's anyone who needs to know about sprinklers, you just wait. Him and his dad are working on that book. And then our other book is The uh, Creativity and the Brain. So uh, he's working, him and I are working on that book together about how kids and adults, but kids can figure out what's going on in their brain hmm. before they're my age, before they're in their 30s or 40s. They can figure out when they're five, okay, well, how, do, how does my brain work and how can I better self-regulate it and my emotions? Hmm. Yeah, which is a very powerful tool and skill to have. All right, do you have some parting advice today, some action that the listener can take away as a result of today's conversation? Sure, your creativity isn't for you. Your creativity is for me and for them and for all of us. So everything that I'm being creative about right now, I'm not harboring it and keeping it unlocked in my room, right? I'm out here sharing it. And so I want people to understand that when you don't see your full creative potential or when you're allowing fear or cultural limitations to stop you, you're actually robbing from us and generations to come. And so when you finally get on your own creativity within you and then whatever you want to share with your org organization or wherever you are, you're blessing us and those who are yet to come. Hmm. Very powerful message. Thanks for that. And finally, Janine, who else should I get on the show and why? You need to get on the show, uh, Mr. Justice. He is looking at healthcare and the arts and telling people their their diagnosis with artistry and helping mm -hmm. them have more of a holistic journey to health using the arts. I was blown away, wow. very fascinated. <laughs> I'm trying to get him on my show as well. Yeah. Um, and then some more neuroscience scientists. I'm all like, I'm, I'm a girl fan about neuroscientists. <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying to find more wem a women neuroscientists as well. Oh, I should <laughs> connect you with Fiona Kerr. I, doubt, I would be highly mm. grateful for that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks so much. I've really, well, first of all, um, what was the gentleman's name again? I, uh, Mr. Justice. Just, Justice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that sounds fascinating. I'd really love to get him on the show. So we'll see if we can jointly approach him to come on two podcasts. Yes. All right. And thanks yes. so much yes. for sharing your time and, and your insights with us so generously today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. As I said, I could go on more and maybe we need to have a, a second round where we talk about some of those gems we talk about. Um, I'm fascinated about the process you're going through to encourage your son to kind of explore his creativity and, and normalize that going forward so that he doesn't, it doesn't get crushed by the system later on. Um, and, and that he's a book author at, at the age of three already, which he'll have for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah. So thanks so much, Janine. I really enjoyed it. And uh, all the best for the future. And let's stay in touch. Thank you so much. Stay creative. I hope you enjoyed that engaging and really exciting conversation with Janine and took something away from her episode. As you've listened to this, think about how you can be creative and how you can share your creativity. Remember, your creativity is not for you. It's for all of us. I encourage you to remember that whenever fear or other resistance comes up. Sharing your creativity your unique perspectives blesses all of us and blesses future generations. Janine's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Janine Letford. That is G-E-N-E-I-N-L-E-T-F-O-R-D. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Janine Letford. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Janine, as well as links to her website, the Cafe Strategies website, her social media pages, and all the other resources we spoke about in our conversation. Now, if you've listened this far into the show, you know the challenge that's coming up. If you love this conversation, and of course you would have loved it, and you'd think it'd be useful to one other person, think of someone, be brave enough to share the conversation with that one other person. And then look through the 500 and 
20, I think it is now, nearly episodes that we've published up until right now, pick another one. And between now and the next episode, listen to that episode. Write me a note on LinkedIn telling me which one you picked, why you picked it, and most importantly, what your biggest takeaway was, what action you're going to take as a result. Janine suggested that we have a conversation with health strategist and advocate, artist, educator, Justice Harris, on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Justice, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Janine Ledford. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode so that we can get to know you and why you listen. Also, it will help us make the podcast even better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred platform. And you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, go to innovabuzz.co forward slash flywheel, where you can access a free gift my team and I made for you, a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.